If your nonprofit has a direct mail fundraising program, chances are you're in a cooperative database. Co-ops have revolutionized fundraising by providing nonprofits of all sizes and markets with access to highly responsive, targeted names that are scalable at a lower cost. At this point, most of the nonprofit sector has come around to the benefits that cooperative data, databases provide, but it wasn't always this way. Co-ops have actually been around for quite some time. The first was Abacus, which was founded in 1994, and originally co-ops were a vehicle for catalog mailers and other commercial mailers to pool their names together and to model and get back the um, best possible names to mail for acquisition because the uh, commercial sector realized that they were having trouble mailing lists that were not highly targeted. And it took some time for this concept to come around to the nonprofit world. Understandably, nonprofits uh, were and still are very cautious about giving out their very precious uh, donor bases to, uh, to anyone, let alone pooling their data together with other organizations. So it was a pretty radical concept. And um, I would say over the last uh, 10 to 15 years, it's really proliferated throughout the fundraising world. But there still is a disconnect uh, between how commercial mailers use co-ops and how nonprofit organizations use co-ops. So um, many commercial mailers view um, individual co-ops as individual list entities, the same way that organizations would view uh, donor lists from two different organizations as two completely different separate lists in terms of evaluating whether or not they should use them. And as a result, uh, many commercial mailers are in five, six, seven different co-ops, and um, they really don't hesitate about that because they view them all as unique sources of data. In the nonprofit world, even though... Um, Many organizations, perhaps most organizations at this point, have come around to the benefits of co-ops. There still is a lot of hesitation when it comes to the idea of testing a second or a third co-op. And um, I find that interesting. And um, I, I do believe that there is a, an advantage to testing multiple co-ops, especially at the same time. Now, by no means am I advocating for um, the nonprofit sector to jump to where the commercial one is. I just don't think that's practical. And to be honest, there are not necessarily a lot of organizations that are mailing at a scale where they would even benefit from being in uh, five to seven different co-ops. Um, so it definitely is a baby steps kind of approach, but I do think there's a lot to be gained from considering the benefits of testing multiple co-ops. And um, I wanna walk through a couple reasons or questions why nonprofits are often reluctant to test a second co-op, even if they are having a lot of uh, success with one, and then deconstruct um, some of the answers to those questions and some reasons why uh, testing additional co-ops could be beneficial. Now, the first one is um, a relatively common question, and um, it's, well, won't we, won't we get the same names? I think it's important, we, we talk a lot about empathy in the fundraising world. I think it's important for us as fundraisers to have empathy for leadership at organizations, that a lot of people who are in uh, leadership roles or board members are not necessarily involved in the day-to-day -day grind of direct mail, um, nor should they be in a lot of cases. So it's important 
uh, for us to um, have quality and approachable answers to these kinds of questions. Now, of course, the answer to that question is um, that every co-op has a different makeup of uh, participants. And um, some co-ops may specialize in an individual sector. For instance, in the uh, fundraising world, there's co-ops that specialize in broad charitable. There's co-ops that specialize in center-left organizations. There's a co-op that specializes in um, center-right fundraising. So there's uh, all different types of co-ops that have their each unique uh, their own um, unique mix of organizations and contributors and yes in some cases there's a lot of overlap in between but even if there is some overlap the key for explaining the differences from the co- between the co-ops may not necessarily be the makeup and the participants it's how the models are put together so modern day models now especially with machine learning could have hundreds, even thousands of different variables that are all weighted differently. And um, if you're familiar with the 90s movie, The uh, Butterfly Effect, um, you know that um, if you change one little thing, it changes everything radically. Not the best analogy, but if you've seen the movie, you'll get that. But the bottom line is, if you... um, If you change a few variables or weight them differently in a model, it's going to change the names that you get. So really, you're not so much testing um, the makeup of the co-op, that may be part of it, you're testing their approach to providing you with the best possible names and they're gonna have a very different approach from another co-op and that really is the test in testing um, two different uh, co-ops. And um, I, I do believe that for an A-B test, um, there's something to be said about testing them both at the same time so you can test them head-to-head on first run to see what kind of names you get back. Um, The second question that comes up is, well, won't our names get mailed too often? Because when you go into a cooperative database, of course, that means other organizations can mail your names. And depending on the rules of the co-op, you may or may not have Uh, control over how often your names get mailed or who gets to mail them. So it's an understandable concern. And uh, I say this all the time to people that work on the commercial side, again, talking about empathy, is that remember, we're coming from a fundraising world where a lot of list owners still do block out their house file dates when they're letting out their own files for rentals and exchanges. So it's a very justifiable concern um, because they're concerned about their house file mailings getting trampled and their files getting uh, hit too often for usage. And um, my answer to this is that most co-ops, you know, I I could probably name close to a dozen that are operating in the nonprofit space. Um, Most that have a national presence at this point have tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of participants. And the reality is that unless your organization has an enormous share of the U.S. population. I mean, there's a couple mailers that would come to mind, like um, AARP, uh, AAA, someone like that with just massive penetration into the American population as a whole. Chances are your presence in a co-op is not going to alter the makeup dramatically. It will around the margins. It will add more data points. So there could be some people who maybe they have four data, uh, four transaction points in your marketplace. 
your data will be the fifth. They might come to the top of the model now, maybe to segment two instead of previously being in segment four. So around the margins, uh, some people will get more mail. But the reality is if you're going into an established co-op that um, most, of, most of the people who are going to get mail as a result of you being of you putting your names into a cooperative database are already getting lots of names because they're already showing a lot of transactional activity with um with other mailers again if somebody has no transactions uh, the co-ops will tell you if there's only uh, they don't want people that are not multi-donors so if um you only have if they truly only donate to your organization most co-ops will just reject the name outright but even if they've donated to two causes, um, those are not the types of people that are going to come to the top of these models. You know, oftentimes I'll hear that people that come to the top of the models, you're talking about uh, 10 or more transaction points. So truly, if you're getting into that group, you're already getting a lot of mail. So um, hopefully that mitigates concerns, but it is a justifiable concern. It just has to be explained within the context of the bigger co-op environment. And again, with empathy that you may be having to explain this to somebody that is not involved in the day-to-day -day grind of direct mail. Now, one of the ways to address the incremental increase in mail that people on your file will get is to commit from the onset that if you decide to put your data into a co-op, that you have the ability to mail it enough where you're going to be getting adequate value. Right, you want to be able to be able uh, to acquire more donors to offset whatever increased mail is uh, acquire enough donors to offset whatever increased mail and attrition may result from you going into the co-op. Which, honestly, at this point, I don't think is going to be much. But in order to um, fully alleviate those concerns, you should be making sure you're going to leverage these co-ops. And um, uh, they're a great way to expand your mail plan if you're going to do that and be able to mail more if you feel you've maxed out your mailable universe on outside lists or in another co-op that you're in. But if you're gonna go into it and use it as an incremental source and take 5,000 names here and 10,000 names there, you're probably not going to be receiving um, equal value for the valuable resource that you're putting in. So make sure that you have the ability and the desire to fully leverage a co-op if you are going to test multiple of them. Again, that that's a real key here is that um, while I do advocate for uh, testing multiple co-ops, um, it, it may not make sense for everyone. And if you're barely using the co-op that you're in, you certainly should think long and hard before whether you want to go into a second one. Um, so it may not be the ideal strategy for small mailers, but uh, mid-sized to large mailers that have the ability to increase their mail volume or sizably new, use uh, a new data asset uh, it, it probably does make a lot of sense to test. The other thing you could do to alleviate your concerns in the short term is to ask co-ops about a blackout period. Some will accommodate you on this if, um, if say, uh, it takes you 90 days to put um, a test in the mail and to get results and to evaluate whether or not you're going to roll out on it. You can ask, will they put a block in your data and not put your data into the co-op? Many will do this in order to attract new tests and new business. Uh, but you don't know unless you ask, and that could also be a way to alleviate concerns at the organizational level um, about going into a second co-op is that it's not a full-fledged commitment because you have the opportunity to evaluate your test results before you actually uh, fully do commit and put your data into the cooperative database.
And the third major reason why organizations don't test um, uh, additional co-ops is because sometimes, especially if you're a niche mailer, um, the other co-op that you might be thinking about testing may not have a lot of experience in your marketplace. And this kind of goes back to, uh, and it makes a lot of sense, right? Because um, I know when I came into the business, you know, one of the things you first learned as a list broker is to look for usage. You want to look for high affinity organizations that are having success with a file. But as we're moving on into um, a much different type of landscape, um, organizations are being rewarded for finding first to market advantages. So usage is not necessarily uh, determinative of a, whether or not you should um, be testing something. In fact, uh, there's a lot to gain by being the first one to dip your toe in the water. Um, so um, while you certainly do want to see some in-market usage, if you can, as a test case, uh, to maybe more confidently go into a co-op, if you're one of the first or the first in your marketplace to try that, the nature of response models is that based on the people that do respond and don't respond to your mail pieces, the models will, in theory, find you the, um, the best available names from their co-op environment. Sometimes it doesn't work, right? It's a test. As an industry, what's our average success rate on tests? 30%. So um, it's never going to be a sure thing. Again, if you can get that blackout period um, and co-ops, if you can offer that, it certainly will help proliferate testing throughout the industry um, in this sense, similar to what we see in the, um, in the commercial world. But um, if you do test um, and you are able to successfully test into a co-op and you are the first in your marketplace or the first sizable mailer in your marketplace, uh, you have the opportunity for a massive first-to-market advantage because you can scale and um, mail the heck out of that co-op uh, while the rest of the industry waits to catch up and realizes that there is in-market usage. So it's risky testing in... in um, or being the first one in your marketplace to test a new co-op, but um, there certainly are a lot of rewards to go with it. And um, while I do advocate for looking at testing multiple co-ops, because I do believe that each are unique entities that have um, their unique advantages and are good at doing their own things and finding names in different ways, I'm in by, by no means advocating for going to an all-co-op approach. If you've listened to my content or you've read my content, you know that I advocate for a, um, a very balanced approach. In fact, um, I believe that there's an opportunity for outside uh, mailers to mail outside lists that may have been abandoned years ago simply because so much traffic from the fundraising world has shifted over to the cooperative databases. What I'm suggesting is as a way to balance out your mail plan with an additional scalable resource of names or as a way to grow your mail plan um, that testing into a co-op could give you access to um, a scalable source of high quality names. And I think it's, um, it's something that uh, not enough nonprofits are taking advantage of because we're still kind of being held back by the same fears and concerns as justifiable as they may be, which um, 
made it so difficult for the nonprofit world to test into co-ops in the first place. So while it may not be an easy conversation to have with uh, your organization's leadership or your clients about testing into a new database, if you're able to successfully navigate that conversation and get a test in the mail, there's a lot of rewards to be had if you can test into a second co-op.